Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. You're here with the man with the fake golden submariner relocks watch that he got <laughs> from a street corner for $25. Jamesy. And and Brando. Just Brand, just the could-be aliens Brando. <laughs> what? I'm but, not uh, saying it's aliens. But I'm not saying it is aliens, but I'm saying it could be aliens. You can't rule them out at this point. Is it, uh, do you think that's what uh, Brett was thinking when he was in 450 feet of water that he on, had th- on regular that. air? Is that what you're saying? That uh, nitrogen mycosis <laughs> could have made him think. Maybe so it's aliens. <laughs> maybe, maybe. There's a lot of clear-headed people thinking it's aliens too. But maybe. Or when he was wrestling the shark at 300 feet on on an air dive. That's about There's the only time I'd be wrestling a Brett shark. Stories from the day. <laughs> and and last week we kind of, you know, celebrated some of the good stuff of old Brett and a story about him, uh, about some of the amazing stuff that he's done. You know, over the years, the man, you know, as we know, was quite the author, a uh, publisher himself, but uh, published many, many books and magazines and articles, articles and all, all, you know, I mean, he's got quite the resume of many, many stories. So old Brett Gilliam wrote hundreds of articles over the years, Brando, for many magazines, many of his own magazines, published in many places. And there was none more controversial back in the (laughs) 1990s than the article that he wrote entitled Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll, Oh Yeah, and Diving Too. Now, this was written back in... The mid '90s, and later, you know, later was kind of edited a little bit and re- republished somewhat in uh, Undercurrent in the again in the mid 2000s. Uh, you, you can find it there if you do some a little bit of googling. You can find the the link that we have to a very controversial <laughs> uh, early internet keyboard fight. That was soon to uh, <laughs> ensue from uh, the late 1990s. But at a time where tech diving, again, was like really in its booming heydays, deep air was still a big thing. I don't know. Have we mentioned that deep air is not a good idea for the most part? And uh, it was really the point of heightened contention back in the late 90s. Have we made that point yet, Brando? <laughs> think so i think so i mean knowing that there's a better way and you know back in back in the 90s uh, tech diving like you've mentioned before the the death toll was dinging every every week it seemed like yeah it seemed uh it was almost a weekly occurrence someone was uh, passing on to the other side if you will from a diving incident um, you know, just thinking back though at the birth of technical diving, there was a there was seemed to be this overwhelming mentality that all you had to do was bring more gas with you, and 
you know, be strap able on to more yeah, shit. strap on more shit because computers were coming around and you could run software on your home computer and write down the deco schedules and uh, people were breaking records here and there. And um, it seemed like, well, you know, the average diver who's probably uh, at the time, at least, was a little more driven towards, you know, uh, trying to be the best at something or trying to be better at something they would they would just throw more gear on and jump in the water without a sense of protocol or you know they i i I don't i'm not going to go out and say uh i don't think uh, the people had a clue about what they're doing i think they knew the hazards but i think they were overconfident in the idea like they knew how to avoid those hazards because <laughs> again, on a weekly basis, they were they were fucking up um, from you know a deep air, which we can talk about that all day long. But deep air, there's no way around the idea that there's narcosis uh, to an extreme level, which affects your rational thought and your and your operation of your body, for that matter. But also, uh, people were breathing different higher level oxygen gases on their decompression and they weren't running a you know a quote-unquote protocol for either the gas switch or the check of those gases prior to entering the water right and which was another big part of the incidents that were occurring besides just the 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 deep air fuck-ups there was being narked and switching to the wrong (laughs) gas you know which led to Uh another major major problem right among other things too jamesy oh i hate to interrupt you because i did want to say one more thing there was there was little emphasis placed on technique and uh co2 buildup very little right you know which which to me CO2 is the killer in diving to me. That's like if, if I were to redesign and, and yeah, people would laugh if I were to redesign the fucking training programs, the chapter on carbon dioxide, because it's its tentacles are in every aspect of diving carbon dioxide from, you know, the gases you breathe to your workload underwater, your workload underwater is directly impacted by your technique, your buoyancy control and where your brain is. You know, so yeah, yeah, and it's something that humans have no real concept of whatsoever. So it needs to be completely taught to them how the effect is amplified with depth. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. This carbon dioxide underwater, because of the increase in pressure, the carbon di- carbon dioxide is—I don't want to call it a silent killer, but it kind of is. It it'll sneak up on you if you are not aware that carbon dioxide buildup. Here's the signs and symptoms. Here's what it's going to feel like. And by the time you're feeling them, it's getting to be too late. So you got to just completely avoid it. And this is the really the fight that was going on uh, back in the, the, the mid-90s, right? There was the people who believe that technical diving you needed to basically start diving all over again. You needed to learn yeah. about stuff like this. Yep. You needed to completely change your foundation. You need to completely rethink your equipment configuration. It wasn't just what the other side of the you know, uh, uh, discussion was arguing about, which was, like you mentioned, just go deeper. Grab another bottle. Put two on. You know, add another <laughs> bottle under here. Add this. Just go Staged deep, go deep. Yeah. And there was a very definitive line that was drawn between the difference of 
Is it technical diving because I am far past the limits of recreational diving? Or is it technical diving because I've completely changed the game and I'm doing something different? Right. And in uh, in and around these times, Brett wrote this article and it was published in Scuba Times magazine. <laughs> And uh, it became the fodder for this huge internet board discussion battle on the rec.scuba forum at the time of, like, what the hell is a head of an agency promoting this for? (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, uh, I think it's going to be fun to just, because the story's definitely Brett, you know, I mean, it's Uh this... We looked a little bit, we touched a little bit on it, you know, last week when we talked about his dive on the, you know, dropping down to his, to go get his watch. And that's what I, I you know, that's where I found this was looking for this article that talking about it. And what, what say you, we just, you know, let the man speak for himself here a little bit and uh, read this article and then we'll take some time and go through some of the, uh, the pros and con feelings in regards to it. We will uh, change the names uh, to protect the innocent for those who 30 years ago uh, uh, don't want to uh, look back at what they uh, typed. Yeah. Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll in Diving 2 by Bert Gilliam. There are few opportunities in life that allow almost complete and unmitigated indulgence in whatever may hold your personal interest, but... Over the years, my career in professional diving and tropical travel has occasionally hit a serendipitous home run. Consider that I was actually asked by the U.S. Navy in 1971 to volunteer to smoke copious quantities of marijuana and then perform otherwise mundane tasks underwater, such as assembling pipe puzzles taking psychological tests and tying a few simple knots in brightly colored lines of various diameters. All this while belching clouds of bubbles and trying to ignore how terminally amusing the antics of the Virgin Island sea cucumber could be. (laughs) Of course, I had nearly fallen to my knees in my rush to be the first to volunteer for this dangerous but strategically necessary experiment. Go ahead, call me a patriot. Someone had to do America's dirty work while everyone else was back home protesting. <laughs> I'm just curious. I, I I wish we heard from other folks that were in that study too, because I'm curious uh, what everybody's take on it was. That's this is this was back in the day when uh, marijuana was very much illegal, right? You I mean well, you could yeah. you couldn't just Walk down to the corner and and get your pre rolls and your box of gummies and and uh, head back home for a for an evening of of fun. This, this, you were going to jail if you were caught with well, unless back you were in these a, days. a rock star or something. I mean, which is you know when you look back on those days and the you can read it all in Rolling Stone magazine, read it in Time Life magazine. The the those rock stars were constantly nabbed with fucking ten pounds of goddamn pot. You know, pot was the big one, but they, you know, Coke started to make its its appearance. But it was always weird how there was just this double double standard. If you were a rock star, you got caught with it. You get smack you on the wrist. 
if you are a regular guy, you may be in jail for 10, 25 years yeah. for a joint, for one joint. So it was just uh, always interesting to look back on that. What, what the hell was really going on? But um, I <laughs> let me ask you this, James. If you were in his, his shoes, what would you have said? You know he's well. He's already the the, the barefoot Renaissance scuba dude. You, you know he, <laughs> this is probably like a regular when they ask him to do it. I'm already doing he's, it. He's like you mean? Uh, like, yeah. He's you like you mean, get paid for it. He's like you mean Wednesday night? That's what, that's what we do every Wednesday night. Exactly. Hey, if I can help, if I can help Uncle Sam, if I can help America stay free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He says, then a year later, I got a call asking if I would consider taking a four-week assignment to supervise the ocean scenes in an early adult film to be shot in Virgin Gorda. Apparently, there would be a lot of cavorting in tidal pools along with naked swimming and uh, other activities absolutely necessary for full artistic plot development just off the pristine sand beaches of the baths. And they needed a crack professional to make sure that no one poked any soft parts into an urchin or something. I was quick to point out that I was additionally qualified to smoke marijuana and tie knots. I think those previously acquired job skills put me over the top in their selection process. Anyway, I can assure you that there are a few better ways to pass a month in the Caribbean than surrounded by nubile beauties with more than a passing interest in rope tricks. My own version of the GI Bill was coming along nicely. <laughs> this has got to be like, like if you're uh, on that end of the spectrum where you're, you know, probably an engineer, <laughs> super straight-laced, uh, you got a DIR stick up your ass, and you read this. Oh, back in the day, your no fucking shit. head would explode. Your right. head would explode. Like especially back in the early DIR days, yes. where you know you were probably vegan. Uh, <laughs> you were like a vegan back then. You was did not even not drive. The same like, thing, you didn't yeah. even not drive past a liquor store. You, uh, if there was any smoke in the air from any, you know, cigarette or anything, uh, you know, you were calling the, calling the police, you know, like back in those early days, like, yes, your head was like, what is he writing? (laughs) Kill him. Execute him. He should get the death penalty. Many years later, when I operated a fleet of large motor yachts in the luxury charter trade, Similar opportunities would present themselves, and I was glad to have gained valuable experience on earlier assignments. And while a charter with the Rolling Stones off of Montserrat, bass player Will Wyman coaxed me into relating the circumstances of my Navy experiment. This immediately drew the attention of Keith Richards, who, as it turned out, was a huge fan of pipe puzzles and tying things up. (laughs) We got along famously, and I like to think that my input helped him to further the advancement of valuable work in this exciting field, which I'm surprised we didn't get, like, any any backlash hate mail uh, uh, about last week's, uh, you know, 
just introducing some of these concepts. I, I think the people liked it, but but now you know now we're really uh, opening up the uh, the proverbial can of worms here. I but don't... we're not advocating this. We are just retelling the story <laughs> as it was printed. True, I, and it even if we were advocating, I mean, you know, I guess my thing is. Uh, the world's gone to the other end of the spectrum to a certain degree, right? From the point in time and era that, that Brett was doing this stuff, I mean, he wasn't way far to the right or right or whatever. He wasn't way far to one end of the spectrum uh, of, like, drugs and, you know. He, he was still actually probably pretty conservative for a large point. I mean, he's, he's, he's starting his own business. He was former military, you know, well, he's Coast Guard anyway, but he, he contra- his father was military, and Coast Guard is military. Hey, I'm not trying to uh, demean Coast Guard because I love the guys. Coasties, man. Who yeah, They don't say that, but yeah. Anyway. Anyway, where am I going with this? I'm just trying to say that I think compared to now, we are so far to another end. Supposedly, we're super liberal, but I know people in the dive community are looking at what he was doing then and now. And um, their their shake their heads are about to explode. At least some of them, right? Oh, absolutely. Even, as even easily Sota. as people yeah. are offended these days, right? Oh yes, people are offended by everything, which is why I'm offended uh, by the idea that people are offended. Which is why I'm so <laughs> glad to be part of Great Dive Podcast, so we can bring this exciting story. <laughs> Directly to you. With the giant middle finger to the people that we're offending. Doing what we do best. Mm -hmm. So in 1987, when I was contacted by a group of investors who were putting together the Ocean Quest Company, which would operate a 500-foot cruise ship for divers in the Western Caribbean, I didn't hesitate. By the time I had learned that, no matter how zany a project could sound, inevitably... Someone with seriously deep pockets might want to finance it. As Ben Franklin might have put it, a fool and his money are some party. They wanted me to do a whole series of projects for them in advance of their startup, like design the 10, 35-foot dive boats, the recompression chamber facility, the air facility, hire the staff, buy the diving equipment, write the operations and safety manuals, and, oh, yeah, go to the Mexican Yucatan, Belize and Honduras to scout locations. Any job description that includes the phrase scout locations immediately gets moved up a notch or two in my consideration, especially since they did not mean scout locations for toxic landfills in New Jersey or some other less compelling mission. So I went to work to plan an itinerary that would allow the ship to place us in reasonable proximity to the best diving while affording a comfortable anchorage that might amuse our non-diving guests. Things proceeded quite well, and a year later, most of the advance work was completed, and we had bought a ship. Now, we had to finalize the route for each week's voyage, so it was decided that three of us executives would take a gym bag full of cash to go resolve all those pesky little details like port entry fees, local agents, and government relations, sort of like Ali North's mission with the Contras, but without any ramifications for the Republican Party. Mexico, with its traditional ports of Cancun and Cozumel, 
was pretty much a known product, offering two distinctly different types of diving opportunities. Essentially, Cozumel had fabulously beautiful reefs, boundless marine life diversity, absurdly clear water, and a lovely old-world feel to the bustling local town of San Miguel. On the other hand, Cancun's diving basically sucked. (laughs) (laughs) That's a technical term for bad viz, no fish, and not much in the reef department. Belize, however, was a different story. We wanted to concentrate our visitation on the offshore atolls, where we had plenty of room to maneuver the ship and excellent dive conditions. Our concept was to have the mothership deliver us and our dive boats to an area and then stand off while our guests tapped into the virgin waters for two or three dives before rendezvousing for food and air fills. Then each boat would head out again for the afternoon. I mean, and this is the kind of guy that Brett was, you know, being that barefoot renaissance man that we've talked about. You know, of course he's going to get picked for a like a lottery win of a job like this, right? <laughs> Back in the late it 80s. Is, yeah. Like he's just he's got a a golden pen to write any check for any amount that he needs to do anything that he wants go anywhere that he wants to go, fully 100% funded. Yeah, that's the way you do it, man. Ah. That is the way you do it. Which is why we're looking to uh, start, <laughs> start up the Great Dive Podcast dive vessel. But, Brett says, unlike the average dive operator who had to satisfy maybe 20 divers or so on a couple of dives a day with one boat, I had to multiply that by 10 That meant I needed enough good sites to spread out all these folks without them bumping into each other while putting them on sites spectacular enough to get them stoked that basically worked out to 40 to 50 primo sites spread over a 15-mile radius from the ship. Our local agent, Stanley, set me up with a charter sailboat guide named Gino who purportedly knew all the atolls on a first-name basis. That was easy to believe since I had yet to meet anyone in Belize who seemed to have a last name. Mr. Gilliam, we'd like you to meet our Minister of Tourism, Ralph. Maybe Madonna was really from Ambergris Cay. I mean, if anybody would know, it would probably be Brad. I mean, he he actually, he worked in so many movies and and television series and, you know, little documentary stuff. And uh, he worked with a lot of actors and actresses and, you know, kind of was... I want to say he was a Hollywood, you know, one of the Brat Pack or something, but he was he was in there with a well, bunch of the big doing names. The, I, what I would say as a uh, SAG-AFTRA member myself, <laughs> doing the, the real work, doing the hard work uh, of, the, of the movie making, which is uh, behind the cameras. Right. Yeah, I mean, the real, how the magic is made, you know, it's how the sausage is made. You don't want to see that. It's a dirty job, but... But what's produced, you know, is is pleasing to the eye. That's right. When you get that bangers and mash on that plate, there's rarely is there any complaining. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody knows anything about bangers and mash and Madonna, probably was Brett. <laughs> you just like to say bangers. <laughs> so as Gino and I pounded our way 65 miles to windward in search of lighthouse reef atoll 
I outlined my plan of attack. Gino was a veteran scuba guide who was used to the rigorous schedule of about four dives a week with his charter guests. Thus, when I started explaining what I wanted to do about 10 to 12 dives a day to maximize our exploration and identification of suitable sites, he expressed some trepidation. Look, man, you can't do that many dives or we'll be bent up like pretzels by lunchtime, he said. This is Gino with the Jamaican <laughs> accent, man. And I'm not getting bent for $40 a day. Brett says, I understood his reluctance, and we swiftly confirmed that his price to be bent like a pretzel by lunchtime was much more in the order of $50 a day. <laughs> with those delicate negotiations handled faster than Paula Jones can find a new lawyer, we settled into the discussion of my dive plan. He had a good way of bringing current affairs into the story, but, you know, it, it doesn't really stand the test of time to the new kids, the whole Paula Jones. Right. Well, discussion. yeah, because the way, you know, news moves now isn't like history books where he could have maybe referenced something in history that everyone was all on the same page with. But, yeah, I mean, the kids now, Paula Jones is that is modern day politics bullshit. Flash in the past. Exactly. There's no reason why we have to dive deep at all, since the wall begins in water about 15 feet deep, I explained. With the great visibility, we can jump in, look around briefly, and set the coordinates for our site buoy. We mark it on the chart, move on to the next site. I doubt if we'll ever need to go deeper than 40 feet or so. That'll give us a huge window for exploration without running up a lot of bottom time. Gino could see the wisdom of this cunning plan and eased us into a sandy spot adjacent to the precipitous wall at Long Key. Just looking down from the boat, I could see that this was going to be a great dive. The top of the wall featured exquisite coral growth and then dropped off nearly straight down into a blue abyss. Gino said I should go first and he would hand me my camera and then meet me under the boat. Great plan, well thought out all the way. But when I reached to rinse my mask on the swim platform, the watch band pin on my solid gold Rolex Submariner chose that exact moment to break. About $20,000 worth of precision Swiss technology bounced off the side of the boat and began spiraling over the drop-off. Not good at all. Luckily, I was already mostly into my gear, and I crashed off the platform, mask in hand, madly finning after the plummeting timepiece. Gino watched in bewilderment and wondered at my enthusiasm to get in so quickly. Meanwhile, I watched my Rolex rebound off a purple sponge and disappear over the edge. It had a good start of me, but kept ricocheting off parts of the slope slowing down just enough to entice me to pursue it. Finally, it came to rest on a narrow ledge at nearly 300 feet. I grabbed it and started up. Observing the necessary decompression took a while. <laughs> Oops. And I surfaced to find Gino eyeing me with the kind of look you might give a teenagers who play in traffic. <laughs> Gino ain't no dumbass. <laughs> no, $50 a day I'm getting paid to chase this dumbass down to 300 feet. 
they don't put that in the uh, the, the dive master chapter on advantage points. Exactly. So tell me again, he deadpanned. How many dives a day were you planning? How many dives a day you planning, man? Yeah. No, no, you got me all wrong. I apologize. I won't do that again. I, I just dropped my watch. I had to retrieve it. It's worth a lot of money, even more than $50 a day, <laughs> Brett had said to him. Because if he told him how much it was worth, he'd have said, and you're paying me 50 bucks a day, yeah, a day and you're yeah, yeah. wearing that watch. Gino looked unconvinced, but I suggested that we take the rest of the day off and just lay out some snorkeling sites, and he calmed down. We spent the night on Half Moon K and had dinner with the lighthouse keeper, who had guests drop in roughly every fifth year or so. He seemed fascinated that we wanted to bring tourists to all his island and was endlessly expounding on the exciting features of the atoll. You got to see the pink boobies, he infused. <laughs> <laughs> you won't want to miss that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're into boobies. Well, and uh, who, who isn't, right? <laughs> uh, Brett says, well, being a booby fan from way back and noting the sand suit penchant of the ladies in the sailboat anchored just off the beach, I began to recount my adventures with the X-rated film crew in Virgin Gorda. And then Gino broke our mood by noting that our host was referring to the pink-footed boobies, a feathered fowl which resided in the bird sanctuary at the island's west end. Let's just say that my impression of that attraction the next morning paled in comparison. <laughs> we hit around 100 great sites in the week while living on the island and finally decided to wrap up our work with a trip to the famous Great Blue Hole located inside the reef. 10 miles from Half Moon K. As we prepared to drop in, Gino gave me his best serious dive guide face. <laughs> this is about 460 feet deep, and it goes straight down, he said quietly. If you drop your watch or any other family jewels, just let them go, man, okay? <laughs> and I agreed. Later on, I rekindled his subliminal interest in pipe puzzles and nautical <laughs> knots with the girls over on the sailboat. They all agreed that we had the basis for a very successful cruise experience. Maybe the Navy might be interested in a long-term experiment. I had the volunteers. <laughs> and uh, that, my friends, was the article that Brett wrote in Scuba Times... Back in the uh, March-April issue of, uh, uh, I think this was March-April, 1998, it says uh, Brett Gilliam was vice president of Ocean Quest, the largest sport diving operation in the world from 1988 to 1990. They routinely conducted over 1,000 dives a day on weekly voyages and made frequent visits to the booby sanctuary. And Gilliam is now CEO of UATEC and president of Technical Diving International. And oh boy, did that uh, publication start a fury. Rattled a few cages. Rattled a few cages. And, um, you know, the original post <laughs> says, 
Brett Gilliam, TDI head, do drugs and heading an agency mix, mounting death toll says no, and uh, the comments would start to flow, Brando. Whoa. And, uh, and did you they? Were, and did and they? You, you remember <laughs> these days well, because you were you were yeah. a bit of a early internet adopter yourself. <laughs> I was, So I yeah. know, and I know you were on these boards back in these days. Yep. Yeah, I was, and you can still find this stuff if you do a little searching on the internet. That's still, I think, you know, Scuba Board might have it in their archives, and uh, Google Groups will have it. And, uh, it used to be on the old BBS, and I mean, and there was support for Brett as much as there was a little bit of uh, inflamed passions about the, about the whole story. Like, like, there's one that says drugs and heading an agency. No relationship. Drugs are only illegal because some fools made them illegal. In fact, up to around 1914, people could buy things like heroin from the Sears catalog. (laughs) (laughs) How about heading an agency with wine with dinner? How about heading an agency with smoking tobacco? How about heading an agency and being divorced? How about heading an agency and being a driver who speeds in his car? How about heading an agency and having had multiple sex partners? How about heading an agency and being gay? How about heading an agency and being black? Oh, how about heading an agency and being a woman? How about heading an agency and being other than Christian? How about heading an agency and believing the earth is round? How about heading an agency and believing the earth revolves around the sun and the sun is not the center of the universe? And we could all think of many other childish little manias and hysterias, past and present, that small people use and use to demonize their fellows. Grow up. Good one. Uh, oh, that's a fun one. Yeah, I think, I think I don't know, from my reading of this, there was way more support for Brett as far as numbers and the arguments. The arguments for Brett are, to me, are... Uh, you can't argue against them. the people that were protesting him doing this, Brett doing this, really are, you know, just a little, a little too far to one end of the spectrum. Well, absolutely. There's Especially- validity. There's valid points in what they say, but they take it to to way too far. If you ask me, nobody's asking. Well, me well. Didn't. So again, so at the time though. Right. I mean, they were the the new school, new way of thinking. You know, what I'm getting at is they haven't gone that far to one end of the spectrum where the, you know, the militants, the militant attitude that is fostered by you will only do this. You know, that that's what comes out in the in the replies is the people that are condemning Brett for his. For his lifestyle, for his his diving, I and I guess the other side of it, I know I get it. He's the face of a training agency, as far as he he established it and he wrote the training guidelines. But writing the training guidelines, he did not write. Yeah, smoke pot and go d- deep diving. And back in the day when he was writing, deep air was quite common. As a matter of fact, you know it was took a lot of convincing to get people to try helium. A lot. You know anybody who's teaching technical diving back in these days of the late 90s deep air was a stepping stone to get there yeah you had to do your your deep air class right (laughs) yeah 
Uh, but that was what was predominantly to be found in the diving community was deep aired. Helium was, uh, you know, voodoo gas. It was the devil's mix. Um, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I mean, we're looking back right now and it's like, why were we so hesitant? Well, you were so hesitant because there were a lot of um, authoritative figures saying helium is very dangerous, you know, coming back from right. You know, Right, and you know the original poster who like started this whole thread said that as the death toll of advanced recreational divers gravitating to transitional and tech skills has skyrocketed and Brett's deep air ideas implicated in the majority of them, you might begin to wonder what kind of man would allow his own instructor trainers, instructors, and new students off the street to engage in a practice so completely <laughs> implicated in an escalating death toll. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's a few, there's a few on there. <laughs> uh, uh, but then you're you're right when there's a lot of support for him because uh, you know there's there's a post that says you know I think you were the one smoking too much before you posted this. I don't <laughs> smoke and I rarely drink, but I don't see any relation between pot smoking. And running an agency, running a tech dive agency. Stick to the merits already. You're doing fine bashing mount that way. Yeah. You, you didn't read the part where he said that the guy who, who wrote the original criticism could, like, bench press you twice or something. <laughs> bench press two of you. <laughs> well, where, where, where's that one at? Here it is. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's just funny that he writes... You were, this was the kind of shit you were you had to listen to or, or read, I should say, and you just would shake your head. And it's it says just like I privately emailed you before shithead, when without knowing me you called me a fool, and now you suggest that Dan smokes dope, and you obviously don't know him either. By the way, he can probably bench press two of you without breaking a sweat. At the very least, try and be a bet bit less condescending to people you don't know <laughs> it could very well come to bite you in the ass by the way do jap riders really put rice in the tank just like a navy buddy of mine had on his u.s biz card anytime any place anywhere you figure it out what in the actual the no, I, it, it, and this is where, like, the, the keyboard warrior, warrior came from. Came people out, that yeah. were, like, going to sit there and try to pick fights, like, pick fist fights with people on the up other end of the country, if not planet. Uh, like, somebody's, yeah, anytime, anywhere. You, you, you know you who this say sounds those words. You say those words about my buddy. <laughs> you know who this sounds like? Could be a, a pseudonym for a certain uh, person. I mean, that's George right there. Yeah, this is exactly. He would bring up bench pressing something. You would. You're a good point. There's another one. The guy says, "I don't know anything about the man personally, but anyone dumb enough to wear a twenty thousand dollar Rolex on a dive trip (laughs) obviously has more money than brains." (laughs) (laughs) There's uh, there's this one. You know, replying to that, he says, uh, "Sounds like the asshole was just looking for an excuse to mention that he has a Rolex in this article." especially the specific solid gold and $20,000 bits. Anyone with the desire to spend more than about $500 on a watch has a very big, desperate eagle. Here's, so, so this is getting in a little 
spat with this guy. <laughs> right, they're, yeah, they're like that. they're like comparing dick sizes now. You know, got a '96 BMW R850R. His last dive was on Lover's Cove in Monterey. Twenty-two minutes, twenty-seven feet max, and then lists like I would say forty dives here with the dates and it what looks like a depth and time and uh oxygen percentages, I guess. Maybe helium. No, it's gotta be helium. Hydroatlantic, blah blah blah, reverse profile due to proximity from assist if needed. And then and then at the end of it after he lists all of his dives, like and like I say from from March 31st till July 30th, there's got to be 40, 40 dives there, I'd imagine, give or take. Anyway, it says, well, shit for brains. Does that satisfy your curiosity? <laughs> now go and play in the kiddie pool. I won't waste another keystroke on your punk faggot ass. <laughs> 27 feet of seawater, 22 minutes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> This, this is just this screams of what what the uh, fucking forums were like back then. Oh my god! There was no you know no moderation, no nothing. Just go at it and just say whatever you wanted. Of course, I was the keyboard warriors, and yes, I did get the opportunity to meet a whole lot of the keyboard warriors in the late '90s, early 2000s when I started traveling. <laughs> With my DIR friends, classic stuff. Classic. Now, the original poster said in here: yeah. "My agenda is preventing more tragic deaths. I don't want to ever hear about or have to recover another beautiful girl whose life was snuffed away by an ignorant training agency or instructor." While TDI did not have complicity in this instance, they have the majority of tech deaths right now, and all of them are tragic, and the vast majority easily preventable. People will listen to Gilliam's stupid, macho, deep air bullshit and be inclined to think that they can also enjoy deep air safely. Well, he he does have a point to that to a certain extent that, yeah, people people do read and listen and, you know, they they see what you're doing. They look up to that and they they want to do it themselves. I mean, but at what point do you do you have to claim personal responsibility and say, hey, I'm responsible for the stupid shit I do? If Brett right. wants to do that, doesn't mean I have to do it. If I choose to do it, I take full responsibility and full, you know, full ownership of the consequences. That's all. I, I think it, at the end of the day, that's with anything. If if we just sat there and, and tried to do everything to the nth degree of safeties, you know, hiding behind that, we'd be in a fucking, you know, cave still with a goddamn just sitting there with our, our, our club waiting. For the bear, <laughs> or whatever, right. the saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> I mean, in, in other words, we wouldn't have gone out and, and pushed our limits and, and expanded and evolved. So you, you have to push the limits. You have to do, quote-unquote, stupid shit sometimes. In order to realize, wow, that was really stupid. We should think sometimes, of a better way to do it. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. yeah. I I. I I know those uh, thoughts very well. <laughs> how how I myself grew up. <laughs> I'm, Dive, I'm diving still doing and it. Is the problem diving, with diving me. and non-diving alike? Yeah, of course. Uh, like another guy said, 
I don't think I disagree with you on much of this, and I take your opinions very seriously. You should be saying exactly these things. I just didn't believe that pointing to his bragging about pot smoking in his highly self-serving article really proved much. And I would agree. It's, it's a, it, that's a shitty dig. You want to stick to the facts of, yeah. uh, of why Deep Air was bad. Uh, look at the incident reports that were being you know, published at the time. You know, uh, this is like right in the heyday of the Aquacor uh, was publishing incident reports of every Deep Air fatality that was occurring and, and looking at what was happening. Yeah, stick, right. to the, stick to the facts. Sure. But you don't got to go like, he was making love to beautiful women on sailboats and my old wife doesn't love me anymore you don't have to bring that stuff up (laughs) i can definitely see both sides of the story it's just uh it's just the way people go about getting their message across there's another one coming to brett's defense where he says this has got to be the dumbest thread in a while i read that (laughs) article as far as i can tell gilliam smoked pot in 1971 that's over 20 years ago how the hell does that have any relevance today I don't know how old Brett is, but I'm assuming that's in 71. He's uh, college age. So nobody twisted a few doobies in high school or college. I think everyone can fess up to that. I'm sure some people did and a lot more. Does it mean anything today? No, unless people still do. Now, Brando, the original poster comes back in because he he really opened up a hornet's nest with this <laughs> this post and uh i i think he when he posted it he he thought uh everybody would read it read his uh description of the article and everyone would go wow you're right we've all been doing it wrong we shall change our ways uh but clearly when you go through the the litany of all of these uh uh re uh responses yeah you know so he comes back in saying back in 1989 90 91 we were doing deep air as was gilliam and mount after a few years of this we realized there were safer ways george is the one who really pushed the trimix issue this largely was ignored by gilliam and mount thought it was dangerous at first in time mount came to believe in it and ultimately Gilliam saw it was a moneymaker to sell Trimix certs, so you had an INTD version of Trimix dive certifications and a TDI version. But Gilliam would still do deep air, as many of his instructors and instructor trainers, many of which would die engaged in this monumentally stupid behavior. Stupid because at this time, we all knew there was a much safer way to tech dive. So although he's swatting at hornets, you know, he's still, you know, he was willing to die on, on, the, on, on this <laughs> post, you know, like, like, like I'm trying to make my point is all I'm trying to say is there's a smarter way to be doing these dives. And that's what I meant earlier by saying that, you know, most tech diving today has come around to realizing deep air to 300 feet is not the intelligent way to be diving. Agreed. I think we can all agree on that. I, and I think if, if that's what you're getting out of what Brett's talking about, I think it may be missing some of it. I don't know. It's a different time. The 70s, man, 80s. Right, right. Different, different time for sure. And then the, the 90s are, are a way different time than right. today. I guess, I mean, would you rather have like we, you know, this idea that, that seems to be popular now and has, you know, 
been popular for about the past three to five years is like let's any bad history or history that doesn't agree with the way we do things now we should erase it and yet man when you start doing that stupid shit you're going down a bad path of a repeating it or b not learning all the lessons all the lessons that need to be learned there there's something to be said for you know that lifestyle that was a those are incredible times. And yeah, sure, and it's can, a lot. Of, yeah, go ahead, Jamie. I, I, sure, and it's a a bit of uh, the the fun character. Yeah, of the of the Caribbean living, Florida Keys living, dive master life that uh, you know draws so much of us to that cabin cowboy lifestyle of just I live on a beach, I own one pair of flip flops, uh-huh. and I, I scuba dive all day. Hell that, yeah! Like that's a huge part of diving that that I don't want to be canceled, and but but at the same time, there's also that early dir thought of, hey, if we're gonna go deep, let's do it right. Yeah, you know, I don't want that to be canceled either. Right, and 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 that that was birthed out of the deep air people. Without the deep air, you'd never know what to be doing right. So. I mean, there's got to well, be a I, balance, I, I guess, is my thing. There's got to be a balance. You can admire the character that that this guy was, and without promoting some of the antics, realizing, I mean, the procedures, the things he was doing, was a different time period, and and he was pushing the limits of that time period. End of story. That's what he was doing. Right. I don't think you have to get into the name calling bullshit, and you know, just just the criticism of. As if he's, you know, doing it today, as if he's trying to tell people, listen, the only way you're a good diver is if you smoke pot, drink beer, have promiscuous sex with porn stars or whatever, you know, and make a lot of money and wear $20,000 Rolexes. I don't think he's saying that. I think the idea of these stories is is creating a character that is... Is there a room uh, on the boat? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is creating a damn character that that at least is a little more fun than some of these fucking militant They're scuba nerds. Yes. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm just as much a scuba nerd as I think the next guy. As far as I I don't want to be doing deep air and shit. I I I taught for a DIR agency for the DIR agency back in the day. I uh, I believe when the it, when the it, f- when the flag was being flown right exactly but I'd I'd like to believe I was never as militant as as some of these people and still very accepting of other ways of doing things just um I I just happened to th- uh, adhere to this one this happens to be my choice and if people want to learn it I was ha- happy to teach it uh but yeah it just gets but, a little but you crazy still yeah but you you were never the one that was like violently saying right. we need to cancel everything that occurred before exactly. us. Exactly. As a matter of fact, you should never we, do that. You know, we, we wouldn't have had that that early DIR thinking right. if all of this deep air stuff hadn't occurred. Embrace right? our history, man. Embrace our history. That's all. hundred percent agreed. And nope, I, I thought that repeat. was the yeah. interesting thing to take a look at with this <laughs> with this uh, Rex Scuba fight that was occurring <laughs> back in the This in was the just late... one of them, right? One James? of Oh my god, yeah. And this is a mild one comparatively. Comparatively, this is like uh, you know, the, the kindergarten class with the kids in a spat <sighs> about, you know, he he took my 
toy in the sandbox. Right, in the sandbox, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. He took my dump truck. And so that that's how this one is, but, I mean, some of them got, got really heated. And it didn't... You know, somebody tries to make a point like, like he did originally, and then, it, it, you know, five r- replies in, you realize, well, this is going to go w- in a w- way different turn than he was planning. Instead of going, hey, <laughs> I was just trying to say something. No, I mean, they're going to just keep fighting and fighting and fighting because everybody was so new to this internet thing at the time that you could just make a post. Yeah, at at three a.m. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, sitting at home and uh, and not have any real true repercussions for right. it. There's a, a that level of anonymity allowed for uh, the very first idiotic thought to come across your your mind would come out your fingers onto the keyboard. Yeah, absolutely. So, um. I don't know, people. What do you think? What are your thoughts out there about sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh, and and diving too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let us know. Send us a message. Um, it, it's, I mean, I'm a diver. You know, I've been diving since I was a teenager. I, I, I've never taken a multi-year break. I mean, it's literally, you know, for the last three decades of my life this is this is all i've done um i know people from every school of diving every faction of diving the the pro dir the flamboyantly anti-dir uh just the little reef divers the commercial the diver, divers too commercial the divers <laughs> mucker river mucker divers photographer you know and you know what i i, I love about diving is the people that you come across, you know, yeah. and, and Brett is no different, you know, awesome guy to hang out with and, and talk with and learn from. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a lifelong fan of learning as it is. So very good stuff. I'm not one to go canceling history, which is when I saw this story, I was like, this could be fun to just kind of rehash. It's good. And, and it's good. Where, Bring uh, it back see. out, man. Yeah. Because I, I would say that there's a lot of the diving community out there right now that may be listening to this that... They don't know Brett. So, they don't, they don't know, know who Brett, he is. They don't know yeah. anything about it. And this is the first time they heard a story like this. And when you look at what's published today, I mean, yes, you get your little internet magazine, pops through your email, you know, uh, multiple times a month now. As soon as the story gets released, bam, it's out on Facebook. You got a link to it. It's 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 different from back in the '90s when that magazine came once a month. Yeah, to your mailbox. Your, to your mailbox, Man. and you sat with it, and you opened up those pages. You know, slowly looking and reading and absorbing that information. That's not how it is nowadays. You know, no. so to to bring a little bit of that culture back in has been fun too. Absolutely, absolutely, and. As you're saying, I, I don't think there's a lot of folks, especially in the younger group, uh, that even know Brett Gilliam was somebody, <laughs> you know? You know, he's he's been really out of the limelight for, you know, a decade and a half plus, maybe. I mean, he's still there, right? Yeah, but yeah. not like he was. Not like he was. That's why, 
you know, I say when I was in my young scuba days, oh, Brett he was, was uh, a guy I looked up to, especially he wrote, you know, him and Tom Mount when they wrote their mixed gas diving books and their deep, deep diving books. And, um, right. And, and I think that because they were getting so much attention back in those days. Oh, yeah. And now this new school pops up of, of a new way that, that you know. You know, the, the only way, you know, to uh, to get noticed is, you know, was picking a fight. Yeah, it also seemed to attract fanatics, you know. It, oh, you know, yeah, I, no you know, I always had to, like, remind people this is not a cult. You don't have to, you know, give me your life savings. and this, We're not a cult. This isn't a cult. So so just relax. Be, have an open mind. There's room in the diving community for a whole lot of different ways of thinking pick one uh try to do it as safe as you can because we don't ever want to see people getting injured but for christ's sake stop criticizing anybody who doesn't do what you do and <laughs> you yeah know. no kidding so that was always a, a thing when i was teaching too i don't know do you you probably don't have it like like it was when i was there but you know i mean you met some of my former students and they can once you you're exposed to this, and it does kind of, you know, a lot of them have been diving 10, 15 years, and they're exposed to this uh, new way of approaching diving, and they're excited about it, but sometimes that excitement turns into a, uh, if you're not doing this, you got your head up your ass kind of Right, yes. Uh, it, it, does battle breed that. A, it does breed a fanaticism, no doubt about it. Yeah. But it, it's it's a little bit different today than yes. it was in the in the earlier days you know even like a decade ago you know it's you get mostly the people coming nowadays because they want to improve their diving technique they right. want to have a better control of their head underwater they want to uh be cleaner you know they 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 want the the finesse and the understanding of what we do whereas you know especially back in your days it, a lot of people showed up just to Get in the fight. <laughs> <laughs> they well, that's what they were there for. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's what that was. You know, because of that, the the course was structured in a different, kind of a different way than it is now. Yeah, right? you had to, you had to break the old ways, and you had to show them because they didn't believe it. You had to show them with the video. Anyway, not to get too far off course here, but it's more of like just the attitudes, attitudes. Well, there you go, people. Um, fun stuff to bring you some good fun <laughs> history now that it is fall not only is it fall everybody it's fresh ball fall brando it's still fresh ball fall we have we still got some time before it's no longer fresh ball fall and what does it become was well you, smooth f- sh- cold ball <laughs> winter what what's going on <laughs> cool cock christmas <laughs> <laughs> nonetheless brando it's going to be a time for cozy sweaters Pumpkin spice everything, and of course, getting the fall foliage all groomed up, and you're going to have to do that with Manscaped. While nature takes care of its leaves, you know, the ones you're raking all around your property, Blowing. Manscaped's here to make sure that your nether region is leaf-free and ready for good old sweater weather. So give the gift of Manscaped to your special guy this cuffing season everybody and make sure he's feeling as fresh as that crisp autumn air head over to manscaped.com use the code TGDP for 20% off and free shipping hey there's a uh, business idea a little we'll throw uh, we'll throw this one out to to our friends at manscaped feel free to take this idea is a little 
little sweaters for your naughty bits because you keep talking about it sweater weather. And I'm I'm thinking if they had were selling little manscaped, you know, sweaters for their your your naughty bits, <laughs> if if you will. Um, a little uh, flannel. How about we uh, start making oh, our own our flannel. brand of uh, flannel condom catheters for for winter, <laughs> for fall and winter diving for man for uh, great dive podcast listeners. That's uh, that's a great idea. That's what we should do. Let's put out our own TGDP condom catheters. <laughs> flannel, flannel condom. Not catheters. even condom. Uh, and uh, flannel, and bowl- just TGDP across the side and or around bowls- them. <laughs> uh, exactly some ball ball scarves oh there you go ball scarves man hey everybody it's time to make a fresh ball fall unforgettable once again uh treat your dive buddy in your life to uh some manscaped and show him that fall grooming can be just as exciting as a pumpkin spice latte go get 20 percent off free shipping with the code tgdp at manscaped.com your dive buddy will thank you and trust me You'll both be ready to embrace the season in style. <laughs> Brando, um, we're not done talking about Brett, so uh, let's uh, put that logbook away. I don't, I don't need that right now. Nope. But you can uh, let me borrow one of your uh, flannel condo catheters. <laughs> there you go. Here you go. I always carry a couple extra. You the never flannel, know. The, the flannel gets all sticky in this. Yeah, but you're warm. I'm warm. Warm. Too warm. No shrinkage here. All right, everybody, we will talk to you uh, about some sex, drugs, rock and roll, and diving next week. Toodaloo. Toodles. How's that? Toodles, people.